from San Diego, California, this is a One Extraordinary Marriage Show. Where being busy is overdone, romancing is fun, and scheduling sex has taken the guesswork out of wondering when you're going to get some. I'm Tony DeLorenzo, your co-host, along with my beautiful wife, Elisa. From coast to coast and around the world, thank you for joining us. It's time to talk sex, love, and commitment. Give us a call or text us on the Hug Hotline at 858-876-5663 or send us an email to hugs at oneextraordinarymarriage.com. In today's show, we're talking about the impact that alcohol can have on a marriage and strategies to shift that dynamic. And there's a quote from Arthur Carmazzi that reads, every action that we take impacts the lives of those around us. The question is, are you aware of your impact? Mm, and, and as we're talking about good. alcohol and marriage, and that there's definitely an impact on people's lives, and we're going to be digging deep into that in today's show. But first, one of my favorite parts of the show is the hug. And we start every show with a hug because we want you to hear from other people in the one family who are having breakthrough. And if, if this is your first One Extraordinary Marriage show, we just want to say welcome. Yep. Welcome to the family. We're so excited to have you. And this week's hug is sponsored by Rothy's. And we're going to be sharing a little bit more about these super fun shoes a little bit later in the show. But first, this hug comes from an Instagram message that we received. And it said, the Kiss Me Like You Mean It podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, it's uh, oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash 44. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes. We will. It says, the Kiss Me Like You Mean It podcast today really hit home for me. I always relate kissing to sexual intimacy, so I avoid it. But my husband has recently reached out to me and asked why I've stopped. And he's so crushed that I don't do it anymore. That's his primary display of affection. For me, it's just not. My parents have even joked that from the time I was a child, I was like a cat. I only want affection on my terms. Mm. I always feel bad and even guilty that I don't do it anymore. But I'm going to change my way of thinking. So thank you for talking about this subject. It awakened me to a different perspective. And I realize I need to change my thinking. Mm. Love it. That's why we get behind the mics every week, right? If one person can hear one message and take one nugget that changes how they view their marriage or how they show up in their marriage, right? It's, it was that quote from Arthur Carmazzi that says, are you aware of your impact? Mm-hmm. Some of us are going through you know, different actions in our marriage and we're not aware of the impact that what we're doing, of what, how what we're doing is impacting our spouse and our marriage. And as we start today's show, there are a lot of you in the one family that don't drink. And so you may be thinking a show on alcohol. Why do I need to listen to this? It's, it's not even a factor in our marriage. But the reality is, is that in our society, you probably know someone who drinks, right? There, there may be people that will come across your path. Um, I actually had this experience the other day where I was attending a high school drug and alcohol program, um, a mandatory program for our high schooler. And was there, got some information that I was able later on to relay to some adults that I know because there were some insights. So you never know where you're going to be able to apply the information on the show, even if you don't think in that moment that it applies to you. So we encourage you to keep listening. And the, this show came about because within a span of about 24 hours, I had three different coaching conversations where alcohol is having an impact on a marriage. Okay. And we have this kind of unspoken rule, though I think it's becoming more spoken because I know I've mentioned it here on the future, on the show a number of times that when something happens in threes, it means that we need to address it yeah. with the one family. And, and I was hearing things like the only way I can be intimate is after I've had a few drinks or alcohol just makes everything easier or I've been hiding my drinking. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've all either seen the t-shirts or the memes or whatever that says it's wine o'clock somewhere. Right. Uh, you know, and, and 
you know, people will tell me, you know, it's no big deal if we just have like a glass of wine every night. I mean, that's no big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Almost looking for that like approval, like validate me for that. And the truth is Tony and I do drink. Mm -hmm. We will have often we're the ones that made get made fun of when we go out because Tony and I typically share a beer. Beer is our drink of choice um, when we're going to drink. And and that's just something that's happened over time. Yeah. It's for us. It's been a, it's been something that consumed our lives. Mm -hmm. It's something that now is something that we can do with no problem. There have been times when we don't drink it at all. None, nothing. And so over the years of our marriage, we've seen it. We've seen the destruction of it. I will say that. Uh, personally, my own uh, drinking habits were leading me and our marriage down a, a, a pretty dark and uh, tough path. And I've seen the other side of it where it's just like, eh, it's not necessary, nor do I need to to have it. Now it's more of a, it's something nice to drink with a meal, but you will not walk into our home and find beer in our refrigerator. You won't find wine. You won't find alcohol in our house. We don't, we don't carry it. I remember my dad, uh, when he was alive, he would, he loved wine. He would make wine. He, he was that he was Italian, you know, that's what he loved. And so whenever he would come down, he would ask me like, Tony, do you have wine? And I'd always tell him like, no dad, I don't bring your own wine because I just, I wouldn't even go out and buy it for my dad. Cause I knew he liked it a certain type. And I was just like, just bring it. And just have it and then you can take it home because it's honestly not in our home. So full disclosure, we actually do have a bottle sitting on our counter, which we were gifted a couple oh, weeks okay. ago. So well, I just, I'm... just in case somebody were to walk into our home, because <laughs> we had an experience last night, we were at an event and somebody was um, asking us questions about, like asking us about some of our habits just in regard to eating. And it was great because she's like, well, but in an episode 20, and I had to laugh. So full disclosure, there is a bottle of Prosecco uh, sitting on our kitchen She knows counter. what it is. I, 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 I didn't even just recognize it. Just because it was a gift, it. Okay. but it was, it's in the there corner. But I wanted to say, first of all, that, like I said, Tony and I do drink. And this show is not about telling you to not drink or telling you to drink. As one of my coaching clients said to me the other day, we're all adults and we need to take responsibility for our actions. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that is absolutely true. But what we know from the one family and from the question or from the answers that you all shared with us is that for some of you, alcohol is a huge factor in your marriage. For some of you, you know, you're thinking I might have a drinking problem. And there are others of you that are thinking that your spouse has the drinking problem. And, you know, as we look at this, there's a whole bunch of gray, right? But there was this amazing and fabulously interesting article in the Washington Post that said um, they did the sample of Americans 18 and older and about 30% don't drink at all. Okay. Right. 30% don't drink. Another 30% consume less than one drink per week. But there's this 10% that drink more, and this number was staggering. Um, so I'm glad that the, the journalist we d- dove, dove into this a little bit more. He said that there's 10% at the very high end that drink more than 74 drinks per week, which averages to be a little bit more than 10 per day. And so he went into it and he said, that's about 24 million people who drink a little bit more than four and a half, 750 milliliter bottles of Jack Daniels or 18 bottles of wine or three cases, three 24 can cases of beer in one week. That's a lot. That's a lot, right? So we have these extremes of nothing and excess. And, and, you know, obviously if you're on the nothing side, you're thinking, okay, what about this? And if you're on the excess side, you're like, there are people in your life that are telling you, you need to get help. 
but the interesting thing as we started to look into this is that there's this gray area. What's in between the occasional or no drinker and the person that's basically rock bottom can't function with alcohol? Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is that we've had those. I remember, even as Tony was talking about just there at the opening about alcohol and our relationship, I, I can vividly take myself back to the spring of 1995. Okay. You'd gone to Dallas. Okay. You, you were at CU. You'd gone to Dallas for that marketing. Um, oh, event. Yep. I that marketing that. event. Okay. And, and he calls me and he's talking about alcohol. He's talking about being drunk and all this kind of stuff. And I remember sitting in my, I can picture it so clearly, sitting in my sorority room um, at the house and telling Tony, I think you have a problem with alcohol. Yeah, I do remember that now. They mentioned that. And it was, it was some of the hardest words that I'd ever had to utter because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be in this for long. We were dating. We, you know, there wasn't any, even a ring at that point in time. Um, but I remember going, I don't know if I'm in this for the long haul, if you're going to be drinking like this. Mm-hmm. And we met, I mean, you all have heard this story. We met the summer that Tony turned 21. Alcohol was a very, very large part of our early years together. Mm-hmm. It, it was social. It was like it is for so many of you. You know, 44% of you said that you have had a drink or two or more to numb yourselves to certain situations in your marriage. And we did that in the early years. It was yeah. like, I don't want to face tough conversations. I'm going to have a drink. Right? That, that was us. And, and the crazy thing about alcohol is that it's so socially acceptable. It's everywhere. You can buy it anywhere. I mean, you can walk into the grocery store. There are liquor stores. You can get it at 7-Eleven. Right? It's, it's everywhere. And it's, it's part of our culture in yeah, a lot this, of respects. And this is an interesting thing that I was when we were talking about this and I was thinking about our lives and in the generation before us, there was that generation, maybe even two before us who possibly went off to college or maybe didn't. A lot of them went right into the workforce. Our generation was the generation that really began to see that push into colleges and then onto college campuses. And with that came, I believe a very large prolific exposure to alcohol. Mm-hmm. In in my case, I, I went to high school. I think I had maybe one or two beers. Th- this is just me. I know other guys who drank more in high school, but a lot of guys that I met even on the, the campus at CU Boulder, a lot of them came from places where they didn't drink and then we were exposed to it. And, and living that out, I've even seen it now when we go to events where I see my generation acting and drinking like they were 21 again or 20 or 19 when they first started drinking. Um, to me, that's just sort of like, wow, we're, what happened there? Like it, mm-hmm. it's so okay to do that. And we're in, we're in environments between our son's school and other parties, wherever we may be, we see that. Mm-hmm. And, and Believe me, I, I had a good friend of ours said something many years ago, and it still stuck with me. Um, love the, this couple to death, but he said, nothing good ever happened after two drinks. It's something to that extent. And it's always stuck with me since then. And I was like, you know what? He's right. And so for, for me, over those years where this was prior to, uh, or this was after like a lot of binge drinking and really drinking at parties to get drunk, um, since that point in time, it's, Hey, okay. One drink, Elisa and I will share it, call it good. Maybe two, but we share them. So it's one each and we call it good. 
it's that as soon as you started to say that nothing good ever happened, like I remember, you know, it's being in those types of environments and it is, I mean, so often it's like college all over again, mm-hmm. right? When you're out with your 30, 40, 50 something year old friends. And I mean, we've seen it when we've traveled. I mean, I remember going to that, um, that one restaurant in Puerto Rico when we were there and there were all of the expats and these were folks in their fifties and sixties and it could have easily have been a 20 something club, right? 20 something college age out to a bar. You would not have known the difference except they had a few more wrinkles Mm -hmm. and, and a little bit more gray hair. And so we're looking at this and saying, okay, what does this look like? Because you have this substance that is legal. It's socially acceptable. It's easily available. It's everywhere. And yet so many folks are moving into this place where it's becoming this crutch for dealing with what's going on in life, for dealing what's going on in the marriage. And it's this, it's numbing what we're meant to deal with, mm-hmm. right? We weren't ever meant to be in a place where we're so self-medicating that we don't actually become equipped to handle what life is giving us. And now you could, in place of alcohol, you could you could be taking painkillers. Mm-hmm. You could be popping some form of pill. You could be smoking pot. You could be doing other substances that do the same thing. And heck, just the other night, talked to to a man who married said, "You know what? Just got to this revelation of like this is this is not where I want to be mm-hmm. as a man, as a husband, and in my marriage." And, and just put it aside. He was like, "I'm done." Well, and it's, it's having that revelation that, again, going back to the quote that I opened the show with, that your actions impact other people. Mm-hmm. Is your drinking every night impacting your marriage? Is it impacting the conversations that you have? Is it impacting your sexual intimacy? Heck, is it impacting your budget? Right? There's one couple I know that they, they'd been doing like a, a I can't remember if it was a glass of wine every night. I think it was a bottle of wine. I don't know. It, it was enough that they started looking at the dollar amount. Okay. And, and they're like, what are we spending this money on? Right. Tony and I, you know, when, when we're in seasons where, in fact, a lot of times when we go out, I'm kind of like, I'd rather eat than have a drink. Like if there's a really good dessert on the menu, I want that over having a, a glass of beer. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, you've got chocolate. Like I, I don't need, you know, I don't need alcohol to trump chocolate. It doesn't in my world. But you get into this place where like a lot of you, the drinking has moved into, you start thinking maybe we've got a problem here or maybe like some of you in the one family, there have been DUIs. Hmm. There have been those conversations where the drinking has become a deal breaker or is even, you know, and we know this because you all are so vulnerable and transparent with us. There are marriages in the one family that have ended because the drinking never got handled. Because there was so much self-medicating, so much not dealing with the issues, so much saying, you know what? I do need a drink to be intimate with you. I do need a drink to be physical with you. I I need a a drink to even just share my emotions. And and I want to say, you know, we need to look at the fact that alcohol is a depressant, right? We have this epidemic of depression in our society, which, you know, again, I mean, here we have this generation that went to college and partying was a thing. Then we have this, you know, massive rise in depression. And I don't have the statistics on that, but you, you talk to anybody, you 
can't watch TV. Yeah. You can't watch TV without seeing, you know, ads for antidepressants and things like that. And yet we're probably drinking more alcohol, obviously, according to some of those statistics, more alcohol than ever before. Mm-hmm. And there was this um, interesting article on addictioncenter.com that's talking about the fact that alcohol does depress the central nervous system. Hello, that's definition of depressant. But it also, because of that, results in our inability to react quickly. And it reduces an individual's ability to think rationally and distorts judgment. Which are all important in our marriages, Mm -hmm. in all areas of our intimacy, from emotional to our financial intimacy, to our spiritual intimacy, to our sexual intimacy. Each one of those depends on us to be there for our spouse. Well, and it's, it, I was just going to say, you know, we need, we need to have that, that clarity, right? We, we, so many people think that they're just drinking to that place where they're like, I just need to lower my inhibitions, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I just, which we've done, which we've done. Like mm-hmm. I just need to take the edge, you know, quote unquote, take the edge off. Right. Because then I'll be, I'll be more loose in the bedroom. It just makes it easier for me to have those conversations with my spouse. And the fact of the matter is, is that then the person that's having the conversations, the person that's having sex is a distorted version of you. Mm-hmm. It's an impaired version. It's not the real you. And, and we have to be aware of this because ultimately, and I see this time and time again, ultimately in marriages, we want to be loved 100% for who we are. So when you're taking in a substance that distorts who you are, there's a danger that you're not going to be known. And that when you're having these conversations, you're like, I don't know if they love me or if they just love, in this case, the alcohol version of me. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be wary. There's actually a term out there called gray area drinking. And it's, it's the folks that aren't on the, you know, not doing it at all. And they're not on the binge, but they're in this gray area where they're like, maybe there's a problem. I'm thinking a lot about my drinking and I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get into this place of what does life look like without the crutch, without the necessity of alcohol. And a lot, and I know for, Many of us, it's the social pressure. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely is. And I, and I will have to say, having been there at times when both sides of it, from drinking a lot in social situations to not drinking at all. And the, hey, let's just drink because we're all here and we're, we're partying at a football game to the, I've had to step back and just say, I- I'm not going to do that. And hearing the razzing from guys going like what you can't have a beer or what why aren't you drinking now or what what are you like some goody two-shoe now you know you have those and that's that's a tough place to be mm-hmm. individually i mean because when you when you want to make a stand to say hey i'm not drinking anymore it's it's amazing how many people will come up and, and ask you why if you have a red solo cup in your hand though nobody will say a thing mm-hmm. um but you you can you can make that decision it really needs to come down from the core of you and why you're doing it and i think elisa said it so beautifully is that man th- there was a point that i felt like does elisa love this intoxicated version of tony or does she really know the real tony anymore mm-hmm. does she know the man that she married because there was that point where every time we went out or whatever we were doing i had to have 3 4 5 drinks and so that was a big realization for me to just go, wow, I need to take a step back and really find out who I am again, because this isn't what I thought I was supposed to be doing or the love I was receiving from Elisa. Well, we know that there are a lot of you that are like, I, I can't even, like, this doesn't even 
I can't even imagine this because I don't drink. And, and others of you that are listening to this and saying, that sounds like me or that sounds like my marriage. What can I do? And I want to encourage, you know, just as we jump into this, that you just go into this with an open mind mm-hmm. on what you can do. Uh, before we do that, we want to thank this week's sponsor, who I mentioned at the top of the show is Rothy's. And Rothy's has quickly grown to a most love, gotta have them brand. And it's no surprise that they have over a, a thousand nearly perfect reviews. It, I love my black honeycomb. Uh, shoes because I have the black honeycomb points and I love them because it doesn't matter if I'm wearing jeans or a little black dress. They're perfect. They are. And I love them. Straight out of the box, they fit like a glove, which it's not often that you find shoes that you just put on your feet and you're like, I can go spend a day. I like did airports, weddings all over with these shoes. And they're so amazing because there's no break in time. Right. And it blows my mind every time I put them on that they're made out of recycled water bottles because which is pretty awesome. We go, I mean, we're a sports family. We go through a lot of water bottles. And so to know that they're being used and that they're machine washable, I've never had a pair of shoes that are machine washable. So no more stinky shoes. I just wash them and then let them air dry. So want to encourage you to check out all of the amazing styles that are available right now. Go to rothys.com slash one. I personally have my eye on the red camo. Um, I think those, I like camo and the red is just, you know, that's fun. But go to rothys.com slash one to get your new favorite flats. You're going to get comfort, style, and sustainability. And these are the shoes, ladies, that you have been waiting for. So head to rothys.com slash one today. So just jumping into this and thinking, you know what, what does the role of alcohol look like in your marriage? And what is the alcohol being used for, right? If there's anxiety in your marriage, if there's fear, if you know, and I would even encourage you this week to just look at your drinking in your marriage, right? Why are you drinking? I would even put a tally up, you know, from, from today to for seven days. Mm-hmm. If you are drinking, if you're not, you wouldn't have to do that. It may be, this is the time that you go to a friend who you noticed who has been drinking or maybe talking to you about it and just go, Hey, listen to this. That's, that's you just being somebody of integrity and loving on somebody that, you know, um, for somebody, for somebody else, it may be, Hey, just having your calendar, just a little tally, you know, tonight, today. I, I know one buddy of mine, we got to sit down for dinner with a bunch of guys and we were just talking about some breakthroughs we've had over the last like 90 days or from the beginning of the year. And one of the guys said, he goes, I've decided to stop drinking. And we said, well, what's up? He goes, well, I started tallying up what I was doing. And he goes, so I would have a drink after work and then I'd have a glass of wine with dinner. And then after the kids went to bed, I'd have like some cognac or something like a a whiskey. And he goes, I realized after a week of just sort of tallying this up in my head, I was doing two to three drinks a day. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. And Mm -hmm. so just, he stopped and I, I, and I forget how many months it's been now, but I think it's been three to four, maybe in five months for him that he just said enough, but he had to start that tallying. Well, I think that's because most of us don't know what our habits are, right? right? Our habits, whether they're good or they're bad, whether, you know, we're talking about, you know, how much time we spend on social media or, or what we eat, because some of these habits are so literally mindless. Mm-hmm. We don't think about them. We just do them. And so we're not aware of what we're doing. And so the tally really becomes that way of going, okay, what does this look like? And, you know, it, it's evaluating not just the, the tally of how much, but when and why. Mm-hmm. 
right. There's a reason guys that we start each and every show with a hug. And it's because we want people in the one family to know that they're not alone, that they're you're, what you're going through is not an isolated thing, that there are other people out there like you. That's the same reason that we, we get behind these mics and, and we share these topics because we want you to know that you're not alone and that there's hope. And so that if alcohol is a situation in your marriage, if it's a challenge in your marriage, you're not alone. But you don't have to stay in that place. You don't, whether it's gray area, whether it's binge drinking or whatever it is, look, your life and your marriage were designed to be extraordinary. And if there's stuff that you got to deal with, then there's stuff that you got to deal with because no amount of alcohol or, you know, nicotine or opiates or, or whatever is going to actually deal with your situation. You have to deal with your situation. And if that means that you have to get help, here's the deal. You'll be stronger and better equipped getting the help than turning to the depressant, right? Let's call it what it is. Say, I'm going to have a glass of depressant today, right? It sounds a little different. Oh, that sounds a lot different. Like I'm going to have a glass of wine or I'm going to have a glass of depressant. Just let that sit for a second. And, and again, Tony and I are not saying don't drink. We're not pointing, but we're saying, take a look at it and the impact that it's having on your marriage and the why, because there's a phenomenal TEDx, um, speaker. Her name's okay. Jolene Park. And she actually is the one that coined this phrase around the gray area drinking. And she's okay. got an incredible, um, YouTube, you can Google her. We'll put a link to it. Let's put a link to it. Yeah. Because I think it's really important because her, she talks about having the zone of resilience and the zone of resilience is not about having, you know, medications and all this kind of stuff. It's about taking care of you. And I think so often we turn to other things because we've stopped taking care of us. We've stopped spending time in nature. We spend our time in these boxes that we call our homes or our offices. We're constantly plugged into something. And so we don't ever just, you know, get out and see trees. It's why last year was such an epic year for me, because what did I do every day? I got out and went for a walk when I was doing my thousand miles. And I, I'm so aware of preparing for the show. I'm like, I'm not spending enough time in nature right now, right now. This is me. It's impacting me, right? Because we were designed to interact with our environments and not the the manufactured ones, but the ones that that God created, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's hiking or biking or, you know, being at the beach or whatever it is, we were designed to do that. We were also designed to do more than take, you know, short, shallow breaths. I don't know. um, You know, some of you are very aware of your breathing, but most of us aren't. Again, it's one of those like mindless you know, the only time we're aware of our breathing is when it's not working, when it's taken away, when it's taken Mm -hmm. away, but we're not aware of the fact that most of us don't take deep breaths. It's interesting. (laughs) Uh, it's just like last week's episode when we were talking about kegling, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things you bring it up and you're like, Oh yeah, let me, let me, let me do that. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me do that. Or the show we did when, you know, kiss me like you mean it, you know, Oh wow. I'm, I'm not giving you a big passionate long passionate kisses anymore. But when it brings, when it's brought to my attention, it's like, Oh yeah, let's, let's do that. And this is one of those places. It's like, yeah, well, I breathe. And yet am I taking big, deep breaths of fresh air other than like when I am working out, which I've started doing again, that like I'm gasping for breath. So, but on my day to day, I don't think I would say 10% of the time that I would be like, I'm taking a big old 
deep breath. You're lucky if it's 1%. Most people are lucky okay. probably if it's 1%. And I can't remember if it's three or five deep breaths. Um, there's different medical research on that. But three to five deep breaths can actually relax your whole nervous system. Wow. But we don't do it because we spend all of our time going, oh, I got to do this. <gasps> and, and so we're more hyperventilating mm-hmm. than actually breathing. Wow. The other thing that we're not doing that really does make a difference when it comes to alcohol is we're not spending time with other people. I mean, like we think we are, right? Because we're sitting on the couch with our spouse and our phone. And so, of course, we're with somebody else or we're out to dinner with friends and, and you know, we're on our phone, and, but we're with other people or we're at the office and, you know, everybody's there, but we're all in our cubicles, right? We've lost, I, I was praying for this this morning at our women's prayer, praying for the fact that as socially connected as we are, we've lost the desire in some respects and actually the ability in others to go out and put ourselves into community. Mm-hmm. And yet we've never been in such need of having other people in our lives. Here, can I, can I go down that path just real quickly? One of the ways that this can happen though, is you cannot wait for somebody to call you. You can't, you have to be the one that's willing to step out and say, Hey, let's go do lunch. Hey, let's go grab a coffee. And it's okay if somebody says they don't have time right now. I remember there was a time in my, in my life. And and I, and it's interesting because I think about this when I was heavily into drinking, it wasn't a time when Elisa is bringing up here of isolation. Like I didn't have a lot of friends. There were people around and yet I really couldn't call anybody a friend. Mm. Like I had a lot of surface friends. Um, and so it was much easier to, to go down that path. It's, it's been a much different deal though, when I've reached out to people and said, Hey, let's just go grab a lunch because I I think lunch is a a great time because typically the drinking isn't happening at that point in time either, especially with a lot of the business guys I hang out with. But I will have to say that I really dreamed of having this friendship pool and yet nobody was calling me. And so what I learned and I had to do was reach out to others and constantly just reach out to them. If if they came to mind, I would just text them a quick note and say, "Hey, man, I'm thinking of you. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get let's grab let's grab a, a coffee or let's get grab a lunch." And sometimes I'd hear back, and sometimes I I don't. It's okay. I don't take any offense to it. I just know that I need to continue to step out because it takes people a lot to realize they don't know how to react sometimes when you reach out to them because they, they don't know because they may be in their own little you know, loneliness place or, or they're, you know what I mean? They, they just don't know how. So continue to do that warms them up, lets them know that you care about them. And then those relationships begin to build. And you, and then you get to a point where it's like, how many friends do you have and how often can you go out? That that's where I am now. And it's that's getting, a positive problem and that's a positive problem, but it took some time to get to that place. And I'm glad I have because the relationships means so much. And it may be in different environments. It may be, you know, it may be within your church community. It may be within your fitness community. You know, so many of you love doing fitness in somebody's garage or at a gym together. It may be, you know, outside because you do it at a park, but you're doing that together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so true. And it's, it's looking at, you know, your community, your breathing. It's looking about what you're honestly, this is such a crazy thing. It's looking about what you put into your body and how you move your body, right? not just the alcohol that you're putting in, but what, what food are you eating? How are you choosing to move your body? You want to get rid of the yuck, the junk and all of that kind of stuff. Get your body moving and feed it healthy, feed it good nutrients so that you can be in this place. Because here's the thing at the end of the day, you, 
you don't need to do your marriage impaired. You don't need to do your marriage in the gray area of worrying about like, what's my drinking? You need to do your marriage authentically and genuinely you. And it may mean that you need help to get there. But what's on the other side of you getting help is a marriage that is going to be truly extraordinary. Yeah. So make sure you guys, you look at this. Hey, there's no judgment. There's no pointing fingers. This is one of those shows and episodes where let, let's bring up the topic and let's talk about it as adults. You have to make that determination for you. That's, that's all we're saying. You have to make out this determination for you and your spouse. And it may be one of the topics that needs to be brought up and you haven't because you've been walking on eggshells around it. Maybe this is the week that you start to bring it up. Maybe you listen to this together and say, hey, what's going on? Do we want to continue down this path or do we want to make some changes? What does this look like for us? The friendships we're around, the groups we're around. Are they taking us in a path that we don't want to go in anymore? What or what are we going to do? This opens up a lot of questions. It's not a one and done. It probably won't be a five and done. It's going to be constant conversation with each of you and with yourself to know, is this where I want to be in my life? We love you guys and that's why we come here behind the mics each and every week to hopefully give you something that will unlock you and have breakthrough in your life, in your marriage. We love you guys. Have a fantastic week and we'll catch you next week. Love you guys.